two lit chicks, book bites, Julia and Ed. So we're back for a book bites with author Alex Hay. And if you haven't read his new book, The Housekeepers, yet, then you are in for a treat this summer. So welcome, Alex, again. Uh, and we'd love to chat with you about some of your research techniques that you used for writing the book, because it is a book that takes place in the early 1900s and you have a degree in history. So hopefully you have some some nuggets to share with us. <laughs> Totally. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I am quite pragmatic about research. Um, so you are quite right that I did do a history degree, but oh my goodness, that feels like many, many, many moons ago. Um, and I would say that my research for this novel, The Housekeepers, um, was led um, mostly by story. So trying to start with the plot and allow myself to work through character motivation twists and turns and decide along the way what research was essential to build that world with accuracy was my approach. I know that some would do things differently and start by immersing themselves in the world and from there they will find the story and I think that has real merit too. Um, but for me, writing a heist novel, I really wanted to make sure that I had the engineering of a plot firmly set up and then that would allow me to make some decisions such as, okay, this is a book about a robbery. So what is in that house? What is on every floor? How are the rooms laid out? And what research can I do into floor plans of Mayfair mansions in the late Victorian and early 20th century periods? What archive accounts of delicious details and possessions inside these houses can I find and, and what can I lift and use to, to build my, my own house? Who were the servants working below stairs and what was the reality of the service trade at that time? Um, and where can I turn to to find really, really good guides to household chores, to servants' routines, the best ways to clean the silverware, etc.? And of course, there's 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 rich resources you can turn to for all of that. And lots of my reading was, for example, turning to the famous and incomparable Mrs. Isabella Beaton and her guide <laughs> to household management was absolutely invaluable um, in telling me where my servants might be and which servants were sitting around that servants table in the servants hall. Um, and thinking quite pragmatically about what I was going to need to do to, to work out the positioning of the house the construction of it, the appearance of it, the position of its windows. Spent a lot of time thinking about fenestration in the course of the housekeepers because there's a lot of you know complicated manoeuvring to be done to, to strip an opulent mansion of its every last possession in a single evening. So yeah, lots of lots of thinking there. And then of course in my case, um, considering where I was going to deviate from the historical record and to, to try and be thoughtful about it and be honest with the reader in the author's letter at the end um, when uh, having to be um, candid that I had you know, for example, changed the weather to suit my own devices um, or made certain um, movements here and there in, in service of my plot. Because I think that's important for readers who, you know, have expectations of historical fiction. Some readers will want and expect and therefore deserve absolute um, faithful um, uh, accuracy. And some mm. perhaps are, are open-minded and happy for there to be a spirit to the novel that um, calls on the past, but... Um, but, but but moves in the direction of, that the story demands. And, and my book is definitely in the latter camp. So I thought it was really honest, important for me to be honest with readers in the author's letter at the end that that, that was the case so that I wouldn't have anyone disappointed. 
Yeah, because you definitely get one reader writing in and going, I think you'll find the yes. weather on that day was yeah. stormy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Very, very grey. Not the sultry day I had in this story. Exactly, exactly right. So the thing about research that I find is that, yeah, and, I, and I've heard of some people doing this, and I feel like I really need to pick up this habit because mm. I find what I do is I end up spending time researching something that ultimately I end up cutting out of the book. Mm. And I, I've heard of a lot of other writers just putting in notes saying, you know, insert thing about this here or look this up, you know, in brackets so that they know that in the first draft they've just got the placeholder and then in the second draft they, they do the work. And I feel that would save me so much time because I've wasted so many hours just looking up shit that I never actually used yeah. yeah so do you do that do you put the I, brackets in I do actually I mean I do both um, because first of all the, the research is a joyful part of the process right so you don't want to shortchange it because that's mm. you know I wouldn't be writing this period if I didn't absolutely love and adore reading around it as much as I possibly can and in the course of the reading around you find all sorts of fantastic ideas and, and glimpses of, of, of potential for the plot so that sort of freewheeling um, discovery piece I definitely do that as well but I also had certainly at moments in crafting this story gave myself notes saying find ingenious invention that will be interesting and helpful here and then we go away <laughs> and have to find this ingenious invention and that was you know very very um calculated of me i was trying to make sure that um i would i would send myself in some sensible directions because you only have so many hours in the day right and mm. you know i was writing this book around the margins of work and at the weekends and stealing a day of annual leave here and there so i needed to be as efficient as i possibly could um to try and crack on with the draft before the idea sort of fell apart around me so mm. yeah being quite pragmatic was, is definitely my way forward i'm interested alex in when you approached your debut because there's there's two schools of thought that you should just write what you love and it will become better by doing so but you or you should have one eye on a concept that's going to appeal um to the traditionally published industry and your debut is i mean it's obviously both obviously a labor of love you can tell that by by reading it but it's just one of the i mean it might be the best concept i've i've come across all year the idea of oceans eight but it's edwardium housewives did were you thinking and i mean cynical not in a bad way here i mean cynical and we all have to be cynical about making sure that our books can be explained in a cool concept were you thinking about that like ah this is brilliant or was it just a happy coincidence that you came up with one of the snappiest best concepts of the year Oh, well, thank you very much for that. I will um, I'll take that and run with it. <laughs> I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> you can blurb that if you want. <laughs> thank you so much. No, definitely, Ed, absolutely. So um, you're quite right. It was both. It was definitely both. Um, okay. Debut is a really interesting word, right? Because actually this is probably my fourth full-length novel. There's three others sitting in a drawer. And there's probably many, many, many countless others that were started and abandoned over the years. I mean, I've been writing as long as I could remember. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't say I'd sent, you know, multiple books out to agents in the past and hadn't, hadn't, you know, got anywhere, which is part of the apprenticeship. So I, when starting the housekeepers, wanted to be really, really clear on the concept. The, the combination of uh, plot structure and setting in this story came really organically. These are things that I'm genuinely interested in and genuinely wanted to play with. But once I had that, I tried to think quite carefully about what is the one-line pitch for this book? How am I going to set this concept up? 
clearly and make sure that I've got a really clear conflict at the heart of it? And can I summarise it when I come to write my agent's letter in a year's time? And that 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 concept and that pitch was there from, I would say, the, the sort of first weeks of plotting the book. I needed to get the title and the pitch and then the rest of the plan sort of built around it. Because honestly, I loved this idea and I loved mm. writing it and I just didn't want to mess it up. And I thought, I feel like if I can just package this properly and really think through how to present it to agents, I will stand a better chance of, of having requests for the, for the full manuscript than I've had before. So I really want to let myself out. So, you know, call me cynical, but that was definitely, definitely uppermost in my mind um, as I was working on the book. But, you know, the love for the story and the characters and the plot, it was a happy accident that, you know, those, those, it was, that was all joy um, at the same mm. time. So at what point were you in the process of writing this book when you started on the Curtis Brown novel course? Oh, ages after Curtis Brown, actually. So I did Curtis oh. Brown Creative in 2015. I was oh. in the fabulous um, winter class of 2015-16. Had a brilliant <laughs> class, uh, classmates including Laura Marshall, the phenomenal author of the thriller Friend Request, and Eleni wow. Kiyaku, who wrote... Um, she came to stay, which is a brilliant um, historical novel set in the Great Fog in London in the fifties. So some really, really stellar um, people in that group, and uh, countless other. Well, not countless. There were fifteen of us, fourteen other fantastic writers in that group besides, <laughs> um, which was really, really inspiring and taught me loads about the publishing industry and positioning and pitching your work. Um, but also gave me a community of writers that I uh, are friends that I love and adore today. Mm. Um, and I was writing a book on that course, which was a sort of historical speculative novel, which didn't really go anywhere in the end. Um, I then wrote something else that was just more straight historical. Um, then a third book, which I didn't actually ever send out to agents, um, that's happily sitting in a drawer, and then <laughs> landed on, on The Housekeepers a while later. The thing that being on Curtis Brown taught me was that this is absolutely a business mm. and you need to be business-like about it. And the bet I sort of set myself back in 2015 was if I really want to be a book, of, book a year author one day, then I'm going to have to write a book a year now. And I'm going to write a book a year until I get an agent. And naively, I was like, great, I will have an agent at the end of this year. And of course, <laughs> that is not what happened. So I had to try and hold myself to that to that goal and actually probably in the end it was, it was more like something every 18 months but that was my ambition so by the time I was writing The Housekeepers that was 2020 so it was um, four and a half five years on from being on Curtis Brown um, using lots of that knowledge that I gathered from that group and my friends um, and the course itself along the way um, but you know really going back out on agent submission um, with, with with fresh work. Mm, mm. Yeah, no, because that's where Ed and I met as well, because we did did the group over the pandemic. Um, ah, okay. And, but it was all oh. online. So, yeah. yeah, but it was good because, of course, we, we were able to have people from Ed's in Manchester. You know, we had people in yeah. New Zealand, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the place. So it was it was a more mixed um group but yeah no i mean i keep saying they should just they should give us money for this podcast because we keep mentioning <laughs> oh yeah well it's great isn't I'll it i'll be a sabotizer yeah, yeah. It was, i mean curtis brown creative was really transformative for me mm. um and it gave me a sense of seriousness about writing which i i had had before but mm. it just gave me permission to sort of take it seriously and invest the time outside work and really trying to push it forward um and i think it's you know fantastic that 
Curtis Brown and other courses increasingly have um, more opportunities for access. I think, you know, remote courses definitely mm. improves that that ability to, to be part of it. Um, sponsored places, I think, are really, really key because it's expensive, right, to go on these courses. It is, so, yeah, and the know. prices have been going up, I noticed as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so I think you know having that uh, that opportunity to get access where possible is is really important. So I Mm. I find it fascinating what you just said about how you you did the Curtis Brown course and then you wrote, well, including the book on the Curtis Brown course, you wrote wrote Mm. three books and then your fourth was then Housekeepers because we had a similar conversation with Richard Swan, the um, fancy author, a few weeks ago. Where so his debut came out just as of Kings uh, last year, and mm. everyone was like, "Oh, this is so good," and I was I sort of said to him, "Well, people almost seem shocked it was so good because there's almost an allowance of debuts that they're a little bit sketchy, but you know, obviously the author's going to improve." But there's two types of debut authors. There's one where it really is their debut, and there's one where Richard Swan had done a bunch of self-published books. I think he said he'd written a million words by then, mm. and mm. you've obviously you know you, you've you've written four books now, so you're not really in the sense that we think of it a debut author, which partly explains why Housekeepers is so brilliant because like the more the more books you write, the better you get. I'm a firm believer in that. Mm. So I don't. I, I, do you think we almost? Um, use the language quite badly when it comes to debut authors because people just think you're you know green off the streets whereas actually you're quite an accomplished author by now so I don't think it's a bad choice of word um I think the the truth is I can see the benefit of being a debut in that you do not have any sort of sales um track record behind you um for for good or for ill you can launch yourself onto the market as a brand new person slash voice but also it's challenging to build an audience and, and find readers. So um, there's there's downsides to being the newbie as well. Um, you know, the reality is I think most quote-unquote debut authors probably have lots of books in a drawer and that's part of the process and part of the apprenticeship. Um, I actually think I would be terrified if this was genuinely, genuinely my very first book. And I do know people whose first completed work of fiction was phenomenal and went out on agent submission and was snapped up. And I have genuine admiration um, for them. And and actually even more admiration for the ability, if they got a two-book contract, then write book two under contract in a really short time frame. I think I would probably have a complete nervous breakdown, if that were me, um, (laughs) because I just wouldn't know if I could do it again. Um, So I think, you know, I I think it's a really interesting word, um, but, uh, you know, for me, the, the, the truth is, although this is my debut novel, as you say, yeah, it's, it's definitely book four with many other unfinished attempts along the way. So I have a question and forgive me if I'm sort of, you know, making this sound too dramatic, but I think it's fair to say that um, your deal with, with Headline for The Housekeepers was quite an exciting deal for a debut author. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm literally quoting an interview with Curtis Brown um, again, getting him in again. Where um, one of the question one of the questions was it's all for an exciting six figure sum, so and you know when, when we when we when we got the book to, to read ourselves you know there's there's lots of um, sort of quotes in the, in the blurb about how you know you know this is an exciting book and and stuff like that and does it feel does it feel like you're sort of one of those exciting debut authors who's really being pushed because obviously the book's brilliant so you know very deservedly but does it feel a little bit nerve-wracking that um there's a lot of expectation that this is going to be a big smash 
or are you just sort of taking it as it comes and I mean how are you approaching this sort of what seems to me like a dream kind of debut situation but correct me you know if I'm wrong <laughs> my god that's such a good question i'm so glad you asked that because if i was listening to this two years ago i would definitely want someone to ask somebody that question yeah so there, um, there, there will be a lot of authors who have heard about this and they're just like wow we really want to be alex hey <laughs> um, do you know it has been really exciting and um the support from headline has been phenomenal um and the same can be said for harper collins who are publishing in the states um i'm really lucky that 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 the rights team sold it to a mix of territories around the world as well. So I've been really lucky um, and I'm really happy that, um, that that support has been there. And certainly the marketing campaign for this book has just been terrific. I think the the care that was taken over the cover and the design um, over the collateral that was used to promote the book and all the thought and care put into trying to turn over every stone possible from a publicity perspective to try and get the book into early readers, authors, reviewers, bloggers' hands was was, was really amazing. And it wasn't lost on me um, that that doesn't always happen. Um, and it was, it was really special. You know, there was a moment actually last summer, autumn, once the copy edits were done and we were starting to send the book out to, to early readers, when I did start to have a bit of a panic and it wasn't, I don't know how to describe this actually, it, I, I did go a bit mad and feel quite anxious <laughs> about everything, but it wasn't about book stuff. I think I was just generally starting to feel very anxious and I realise now looking back that that seems to be sort of a common occurrence for people waiting for their first book to come out that it's quite exposing it's mm. definitely quite strange you feel a bit of a transition from um you know something that you've always dreamed for is now coming true um and the, the the dream is how do i put this you 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 want to make sure that you're getting it right for your publisher you want to put your best foot forward you want to to be good you want to 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 help um but you also recognize that there's a great deal that's out of your control um, in a in a sort of traditional publishing environment, and so you have to sort of find a way to be relaxed about that and focus on what you can do. And so for me, I tried to dive into book two, um, and and just crack on there. Um, so it has it has been both to answer your question, Ed, dreamy, um, and yeah, nerve wracking at times. But um, I have to say, you know, that the kindness and understanding of that from headline, um, not just sort of um, being um, very obsequious here, they have been genuinely phenomenal and supportive and, and great from top to toe yeah mm. yeah headline of a good reputation for, for the sort of developing authors careers so it sounds like you're in good hands and you know we, we've all read those articles recently i think about um debut authors in particular really struggling from a mental health perspective and i, mm. I think expectation is really important i'm lucky that i've got a really straight talking agent who tells me the unvarnished truth about everything at every stage all the time um, so I've been lucky from the get-go that I've always had quite a clear expectation about um, how money works, how sales work, how promotion works, how support works. And um, that's been invaluable to me, that I've got that sort of upfront, honest, candid approach from from my own agent. Um, mm. But simultaneously, I would say my editor um, and the publishing team are also very candid too. And I've asked lots of questions and, and tried to make sure that I feel as empowered as possible to understand what's going on. Um, because I'm really interested. I really, you know, it, it, it's a commercial process that I find fascinating and I want to understand the nuts and bolts of it. Also don't want to stick my oar in where it's actually not going to be helpful to me or anybody else. Um, so I think, you know, just trying to 
take time to listen to podcasts like this and conversations like these and listen to other authors talk about their journey is really, really important. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And we wish you the best of luck with the launch. It's, it's already out there so people can go and buy The Housekeepers. And both Ed and I highly recommend it. So, uh, so yeah, thank you. Oh, well, adore the podcast and have absolutely adored speaking to both of you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I loved it. Two Lit Chicks is a podcast about books that change lives. Find us on all major podcast platforms or go to our website at twolitchicks.org. Thanks for listening. 